Well, we do have some breaking news here on the uh, Alex Garrett Sports Spotlight. And, uh, you know, we actually recorded part of this, uh, most of it, on Monday. But then I said, Lou Terminello. I got to take uh, Terminello's take on the benching of Zach Wilson. He breaks it down a little later, the performance itself. But the benching now, I mean, was this coming? Well, Alex, I think after what we saw on Sunday and on the field and post-game, the post-game situation actually had more of a life than the uh, horrendous on-the-field performance. And, you know, New York media is tough. And uh, uh, Wilson didn't handle the media correctly post-game. And uh, some guys can thrive with the New York media, and some guys crumble. I have no idea what's going to happen with Wilson as his career grows, if it's in New York, if it's not in New York. But uh, um, it's a, it was a move that had to be made at this time. Now, I would have gone to Joe Flacco. I mean, I don't know what they see in Mike White. Uh, I, it's a big question mark. Yes, he had that, that tremendous game against Cincinnati last year. He threw for 405 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions. He played two and a half games for the Jets before he got, he got hurt in that middle game against the Colts. Threw eight, he, he turned the ball over eight times. He threw eight interceptions in those three games. Obviously, I'm not at practice. They're at practice. Um, is he the answer long-term? Or he's just a stop back career uh, backup. Don't know. I don't know. I would. The Jets have a defense that can win now. As we as we said, they are ahead of schedule on the defensive side of the ball. Joe Flacco. We know he he may not be mobile. We know the Jets have pass protection problems. But I think he gives you the best chance to win. Again, I am not at practice, so I don't. I don't see what Mike White is doing. He can, he might have improved so much from last year. We'll know right we'll know right away. But it's this whole quarterback situation is definitely another Jet question mark. Will Zach Wilson say, be here next is this year? A black eye on a, on another draft pick. I mean, look, they've gone through it, quarterback it could after be. quarterback, and it just seems like the same old situation again. It could be because this isn't the same team. This this is a this team has a good roster. That's going to that's going to get better as they uh, uh, get a more experience on the defensive side of the ball. Look at all the young guys they have uh, on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know. Is Jimmy Garoppolo? He's going to be a free agent. Is he going to be a guy that they look at? If they do, they would have to uh, cut Wilson loose. You're not going to have Wilson sitting behind Garoppolo, who's what 28. And the only everybody criticizes Garoppolo. The only thing this kid does is win. So I don't know where the Jet quarterback situation is going to be uh, next year. Uh, Salas said in the in the press conference today that uh, this is a reset, a chance for the kid to catch his breath. We're going to get him back in this year. Well, the only way you're going to get him back in if Mike White and Joe Flacco if fail. If Mike White fails and then they put they give uh, Flacco a shot and he fails. Um, if Mike White wins, Zach Wilson's not seeing the field until next year in training camp, if he's still on the roster. I'm just curious why it's not Joe Flacco. I mean, unless he's – he didn't look over the hill in those first three games. Zach Wilson has, four, has played six games. 
has played seven games, excuse me, and he's, he has four touchdown passes. Joe Flacco threw four touchdown passes in that win in Cleveland. So uh, the fact that the Jets have unexpectedly jumped to a playoff contender in 22 and um, Zach Wilson is still playing like his, it's his first NFL game has killed, has killed the Jets. The Jets are in a tough spot at the quarterback position. Now and moving forward, they really are. Lou's going to break down the performance of Zach Wilson, but right now I want to turn to the World Cup. As you know, I'm wearing a Team USA jersey for soccer, but guess where it was made? Take one guess. Let me see. It wasn't made in the United States. Uh, I'm going to guess it probably was made in China. So I'm going to post on Instagram. I have a picture of the American flag with the made in China right above it. I think it's hysterical that we still rely on them, to be honest. It's ridiculous. And uh, plus the fact that uh, they're a developing country and we're going to, they don't have to pay into the uh, into that new climate agreement. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. But oh, we pay a billion whatever. dollars. We won't get into that, though. But, you know, politics is a big reason why Qatar is a very controversial uh, situation for the World Cup. Maybe you know a little more than I do. What's the deal with the uh, backlash against Qatar? What's well, there was a lot of backlash, and uh, they were they were awarded uh, the uh, the the games twelve years ago. Um, yeah, it was twelve years ago. So they 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 uh, were awarded the games in two thousand and ten, uh, and obviously there was a lot of controversy because of human rights violations in uh, in Qatar, obviously against homosexuals, um, just a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of abuse, a lot of abuses that uh, people don't realize that these things still happen in, the, in this world. And they don't realize how lucky they have when they live in the United States. But um, not only the, uh, the human rights abuse, but Qatar beat out the United States, uh, which is going to get it in 2004 years from now. Uh, I believe South Korea and Australia. I think Australia was the, the other finalist. And uh, what happened there was uh, they, they bribed a lot of the FIFA officials, uh, and including Michelle Platini um, and uh, uh, Seth Blattner, who was the president of FIFA. And uh, even Blatter said later on, we, ma- we made a mistake. Uh, Qatar should not, have re- should not have gotten the games. But that being said, they, they have the games. They're a very small country. Uh, they uh, are, sm- believe it or not, the country smaller than the size of Connecticut. It's about 20% smaller than the size of Connecticut, which we know is a small state. Um, and a lot of human rights groups uh, over the 12 years have uh, called out Qatar for having the games, called out FIFA for having the games. Uh, a lot of people, migrant workers who came to work uh, in Qatar uh, to build these stadiums, a lot of them died because it's very warm in Qatar. That's why the World Cup is in the uh, the winter time, not in in its usual summer June fifteenth to July fifteenth window, which I think is obviously better from a fan's point of view. But they gave it to them, 
uh, and now we have to, we have to live with it. And uh, but a lot of people, a lot of people died. Some of of, of heat. You know, it, it's it's not a good well, I hear situation. The workers and, are under really, you know, almost China-like conditions, right? Absolutely. It's not Absolutely. good. And, and you know, uh, I, if you're a U.S. Uh, fan, I still think it's okay to go there, no? Oh, you can't, in my opinion, you can't, you cannot let the players, it's, it's a once every four years, you can't deprive the players of a chance to play in the World Cup. And I know some players th- throughout the world, throughout the 32 teams that are in the tournament didn't want to play in stadiums where they know that some migrant workers, some people died because of oppressive conditions. And I don't mean not, not only because of the heat, because some people did die because of the heat. Some people died because of construction injuries. Um, but oppressive a regime that made them work when they probably shouldn't, shouldn't be working. Um, and some players don't want to play in, in, in those stadiums, but they, they're, they're all doing it because that's their that's their career. It's the highlight of their, of their career. You you become a World Cup champion. Yes, they're all star teams. It's not like winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League. But um, you're, you're a hero in your country for life if you excel uh, in the World Cup. And Seth Blatter so, was kind of ending up a monster in the end of it, wasn't he? I felt yes, like he was. Just yes, he did. And, and like I said, he a couple of years ago came out and said we made a mistake awarding uh, Qatar the games, but uh, and said it was a bad choice. But it was too late. It was too late. But um, the summertime temperatures, uh, which were over 100 degrees, so they had to move it. Like I said, to November to December 19th, November 20th to December 19th. Um, but there's all kinds of alleg- you know, allegations of bribery, uh, corruption among FIFA officials. Some of them were, some of them were uh, caught, and you know, some of them have said that uh, uh, they were unjustly uh, found guilty. But again, the concerns about the human rights abuses didn't matter. It's all about money. Let me tell you, though, the FIFA uh, corruption is real, and mm-hmm. um, uh, unfortunately, you know, I think we should still cheer on the U.S. just because it is, but also we don't want to encourage this kind of corruption ever again, so how do we avoid it? Well, the thing is, unfortunately, it's not just a U.S. It's not a US thing, um, and... It's a it's a worldwide it's a worldwide thing. So it's the U.S. can't boycott it. I don't think that would stop um, FIFA's corruption in awarding these these kind of this kind of an event. Let's face it, the International Olympic Committee should China really have gotten uh, uh, the event the, uh, the the Winter Games twelve years after they got the summer games in 2008 talk about human rights violations, but you know, NBC, NBC is in bed with them because they're, they're the carrier, uh, you know, the media carrier. Uh, and, uh, I'm not blaming NBC, but it's, it's, it's all business. If you watched Fox, you would think that Qatar is the garden spot of the world. And uh, unbelievable. Now, you know, yeah. we also saw this in Brazil uh, in 2014. So it's sad that nothing's changed as far as cleaning up the internal politics of the game. 
Oh, you're right. You're 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 100 you're 100 right. Uh, and and two and four years ago, I was in Russia. <laughs> you know, you know. So. Um, oh, I know, and it's just, we'll and, and tell me about the scheduling because I know this was not supposed to be this year. It's supposed to be earlier, right? Right. Well, usually it's usually it's around, like I said, July 10th, July, uh, June 10th, June 15th to around July 15th. Usually takes takes a month. Um, it usually is about 35 days after the domestic seasons like Serie A in Italy, uh, the Premier League, La Liga, the Bundesliga in Germany. They're done. So they have about 35 days to uh, to prepare um, and then. They have about another six weeks before the domestic season starts again. This year, the league shut down, and they had seven days or eight days to get ready uh, for the World Cup. And then when the World Cup comes to an end, if you get to the finals, which is uh, December 19th, I believe, Sunday, December 19th or 18th, December 18th, um, the Premier League is going to start on Boxing Day, December 26th. So they're not going to have that break that they normally have, the players, which can lead to injuries. Right now, in my opinion, international soccer has way too many competitions between the domestic league, uh, these domestic cup competition, uh, the Champions League. These teams are playing 60 games, if you go that far. It's a lot of wear and tear on these players. And... Really, soccer is in Europe, South America, worldwide is a, a twelve-month-a-year sport. I mean, you, these guys don't get a break. And so is the bars opening at ten a.m. I mean, you know, for Americans, ooh, ten a.m. Guys are there every Saturday, Sunday, watching Premier League, watching, you know, every other thing under the sun, Euro League at ten a.m. So that's not a new thing for these bars. No, it isn't, and uh, really. What uh, the Premier League in America, watching in America, and, and NBC Sports has done a great job with the Premier League, in my opinion. But that, now they have these fan fests, and it's amazing how many fans of Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester United, Manchester City, uh, Aston Villa. When they go on site, it's just incredible how, uh, how popular the Premier League is. And it doesn't matter. Even when they had it at, just out, outside of the Los Angeles Coliseum, uh, they were there like at 4.30 in the morning because uh, the Premier League games start at 7.30 on a Saturday morning because of the five-hour difference. Uh, it, it's amazing. International soccer has really gained a foothold in this country. It is more popular than the MLS, but the MLS is getting better. But it's it's – Yep, uh, but the uh, uh, international soccer is just so po- po- popular, and, and uh, I, it will continue to be. And like I said, NBC's done a terrific job. But, uh, you know, a tough game for the U.S. today. I mean, it ended a 1-1 tie. Uh, I thought the United States was the a better side uh, for the first half by a long shot, by miles. And uh, they were able to get that, that take the lead. Um, but uh, in the second half, they got a little – I thought they'd be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, they kind of played uh, a little bit I know that you were telling me it was very disappointing to get just a tie. And, I, you know, I kind of don't understand it because I don't follow 
the sport as close as many uh, you know as others do. So why was a tie bad? Well, when you play when you're playing round robin and you're playing three games in your in your group, um, say for example, say that, uh, the, the Iran's in their group, England is in their group, Wales and the USA. Okay, so many times the third game may not mean nothing to one of these teams. And actually, in this case, it might actually help the United States because they play Iran last. And Iran got overrun today by England. Uh, England scored six goals. They won 6-2. Uh, they were never in any danger. It was 3 nothing at halftime. Um, Iran is in disarray. Iran is going through political strife. Um, I was watching the game this morning, and uh, when they played the Iranian national anthem, uh, the Iranian players did not uh, did not sing the national anthem. The executives that was on the bench were the coaches and the assistant coaches were, but uh, they weren't because of the uh, uh, the protests in Iran over the the death of that that young girl about six seven weeks ago. And good on uh, uh, good on the players for for you know sitting that out. Now you know you could say, well, Alex, you didn't like when they set out for the national anthem. Totally different reasons, right? Oh, totally different reasons. This is a, this is a, again this is a human rights type violation. A real human. I mean, a young girl was killed because uh, she didn't have her her uh, uh, her headdress uh, on properly. Um, so that. Uh, you know, that's that's a, a totally different situation. And I have to give the players a lot of credit. I mean, you got you got to have a lot of uh, guts to do what they, what they did. And I know you noticed it right away. I mean, uh, that uh, they weren't singing at first. I thought that maybe like some countries, national anthems have no words. They just have music. But then when they switch to the uh, uh, to the bench and the coach and uh, the other executives, that were sitting in that area were singing. I knew I knew exactly why. Then, well, let's uh, let's get away from the World Cup because we we have a lot of weeks to talk about that and figure out. Speaking of the bench, whether or not Mr. Zach Wilson will be benched this week. Look, I was focused on a lot of different games yesterday. I saw the punt return to win it for New England. I mean, much like Deshaun Jackson. But really, Zach Wilson is not owning up to this loss, and I think that's bothering the Giant, the Jets, the most, other than the loss. Um, I I would agree with you, and uh, we'll we'll talk about the game in general, and we'll get to to the post game. And I, I watched the, uh, the the post game press conference, and uh, yeah, Zach uh, was immature uh, and doesn't seem he seems to be be oblivious. Uh, to to what's going on around him, I just don't think he's ready. I mean, he's, now he's played twenty. He's played twenty NFL games. Still not a lot, but uh, doesn't seem like he's ready for the important game. Uh, and you could say, well, two weeks ago they played Buffalo in an important game. Yeah, so it, it was. But uh, yesterday's game, um, the Jet defense is has gotten so much better so fast. Uh, probably faster than general manager Joe Douglas, head coach Robert Sala, defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich thought they could be uh, at this time. They've gotten better since the first or second game of the year, better than they were against against the Ravens on opening day or the Browns the second week. 
um, when they won 31 to 30. They've, they've put it all together. They have a lot of, they have a lot of good young talent, but um, uh, I think they thought this was a defense that they might see towards the end of this year or maybe going into next year, but the, the defense is way ahead of the offense and uh, the offense is being held back uh, by poor quarterback play. Yes, the offensive line had a terrible day yesterday. They were dominated by uh, the New England uh, front seven. Uh, New England's defense might be as good as any defense in the NFL right now. Um, and the Jets, the Jets had no answers for it. It was a pathetic, pathetic performance yesterday. And uh, two yards in the second half, two first downs, um, one of the worst offensive performances in, in, in Jet history. Uh, the blame, you can put the blame on Wilson. Obviously, it's, he's, it's, he's an easy guy to put the blame on. Uh, but when they went in 3-3 at halftime, I said, okay, I wonder what kind of adjustments Matt LaFleur is going to make in the second half. He made no adjustments. Now, I don't know, is that because Zach Wilson just doesn't grasp it? But the, the play calling was atrocious. There was no uh, half half bootlegs, nothing to uh, uh, to throw the New England defense off uh, off target. The Jets didn't play to win the game. The Jets were just hoping to survive. Um, it, it was really disheartening uh, if uh, you were a Jets follower yesterday. Um, well, that's it. So I guess the punt return is another memorable faux pas against the Patriots. Of course, they're the butt fumble team as well. Well, the, the, well, the butt fumble, the butt fumble game is totally overrated. I mean, really, who cares about the butt butt fumble? The Jets lost forty nine to nineteen that night. <laughs> I mean, so you know that that had nothing to do, you know, to do with it. They they got slaughtered that that Thanksgiving night, but. Um, even though the, the punt was supposed to go left or right, I don't know if, if uh, a man who's been an excellent punter for the Jets, I mean, he did kick it to the 16-yard line. Um, whether, even though it was uh, kicked down the middle, the Jets still should have been able to cover it and not allow him to get more than 10 yards. Uh, but they didn't. They lost the game. Um, it's a learning experience for a young team that nobody thought would have would be six and three going into yesterday's game. Um, it's a shame because the defense sacked uh, uh, Jones six times yesterday. They, they, they sacked him six times three weeks ago. They said they 12 sacks in two games against the Patriots and the Jets lost both games because their offense didn't come through. Uh, late this afternoon, Salas said he hasn't made a decision on who's going to be the starting quarterback next week. See, I don't think it's, I don't think if you sit Wilson, that doesn't mean that he's done. That no way. Uh, I don't know why Joe Flacco isn't activated. Yes, I know he's 37 years old, but I'm going to say something. If Joe Flacco was in there yesterday, and I know that he doesn't have the maneuverability of of Zach Wilson, I, I, I have a feeling he would have made a couple of plays um, that probably would have got the Jets more than two first downs in the second half. They have they had a chance to do something, and like I said, the defense has really been outstanding. And uh, uh, the offense, especially the quarterback, uh, hasn't uh, delivered. The offensive line was terrible yesterday. I mean, 
they ran the ball uh, for 59 yards, not not counting Wilson's scrambles, uh, because the offensive line couldn't open up any holes. Yes, they do miss Hall, Brees Hall, terribly, but 20 rushes for 59 yards, terrible. The offensive line was terrible, but right, but but Wilson's especially holding him back, in my opinion. Well, and, and, and that's the consensus. That okay, we have a train a head-on collision on Thursday because you're going to have a giant team after their bewildering loss to the Lions kind of sputtering in against another team that CBS cut away from because they were dominating the Vikings. Yes, it's going to be the Cowboys and the Giants on Thanksgiving. I am very nervous for the Giants after last night's loss. Should I be nervous or can they bounce back? Um, In this crazy NFL this year, you can't figure out what's going to happen, but yeah, you should be nervous. Um, the Giants obviously did not play a good game yesterday. Uh, they had some injuries also, um, which is going to hurt them. The next seven games, starting with this game in Dallas on Thursday, they have a tough seven-game stretch coming up. Very, very tough stretch. In Washington, I still can't believe Dallas blew a 14-point lead in Green Bay last week with their defense. Uh, they were they were 195-0 and 0 in their history, leading by 14, going into the, into the fourth quarter last week. Yesterday, they left no doubt. They won 40-3. to three. And um, uh, their defense is terrific. Zach Wilson, uh, Zach Wilson, Dak Prescott played a terrific game yesterday. Tony Pollard is the best running back on the Cowboys. I mean, he was last year also. Um, they still use Ezekiel, you know, in short yard situations, and he's still an excellent back. But, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear on, on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, it's, a, it's a tough spot for the Giants on Thursday. I'm not saying they can't win, uh, but it's a tough spot. Uh, we said last week when we talked about the, about the Lions game, we know that the Lions are in a good team. They might, be, they might be trying to turn the corner. But the one thing we did say in our discussion last week, that they can score, and they did that yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough spot for the Giants. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the Lions, you know, I, I hate to say they're competitive in the NFC North, but look, the Vikings are melting down a little bit. You got the Packers still 4-6, and six, I mean, and you got the Bears completely out of it. Lions have some sort of chance, or am I dreaming? No, 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 uh, Alex, uh, you, you're, you're dreaming. <laughs> uh, Minnesota's going to win that division. Minnesota's 8-2. and two. They went into yesterday's game uh, with a five-game, I guess a five-game lead uh, in the division, or four-game lead now, now that Detroit won. Uh, Detroit's not catching them. Uh, the Vikings will be okay. They just, got, uh, they just got embarrassed. Like you said, CBS cut in New York cut from the game. And um, uh, but uh, Dallas, Dallas is good. Dallas is good. And you know what? I, I don't understand why they're not dominant. They're dominant in the game, but they're not consistently dominant. And I'll tell you what the crazy part is, is that the Giants will then play the Commanders, who also are doing pretty well under the new name. Yes. And uh, they have, they, you know, they uh, have caught. Lightning, a little bit of a little lightning in a bottle type situation with uh, with their new quarterback Heineke, and 
he there's something about him. Is he is he big, strong guy like a, a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert or Pat Mahomes? He's not, but he's got a little a little you know that it factor. Uh, it looks like uh, he's got command of the – he has command on the field. That's what Zach Wilson, believe it or not, needs to be a little bit like Taylor Heineke. <laughs> he Why really isn't Heineken uh, uh, sponsor him yet? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I can't believe they have it. All right. But, uh, and yeah, by the way, I thought Jeff Saturday start. was going to get another win yesterday with the Colts. They came close, but he's turned that team around a bit. He, he did, and uh, there was a um, – a a play at the end of the game. They were up 13 to 10, and there was about five minutes to go. Against the Eagles, and, for those who uh, may not be familiar. And, uh, yes, the, the Colts were up over the Eagles 13 to 10 with five minutes to go, and uh, they had first down and goal to go at the five. First couple of plays don't go anywhere. Third third down, they try to get the touchdown. Uh, Matt, Ryan, Matt Ryan rolls out, and... Uh, He's, he's tackled, sacked. Well, the officials missed um, a face mask penalty on, on Philly. They kicked the field goal, the Colts did, and then Jalen Hurts led them down, down the field and scored on that 10-yard 10, 10 uh, quarterback draw. So, uh, I was sort of like last, night's, last week's Monday Night Football, right? Yeah. Yeah, they bounced back from the loss. They did. Um, Very interesting stuff because I know that that last week that fumble on the face mask. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah, no, that uh, that was worth. They just missed yesterday's call, but I mean, the, last week, like we talked about, uh, they were reviewing the fumble. When you obviously saw the uh, uh, the face mask penalty, and they can't review that. The NFL has to look at that in the off season in a situation like that. They really have to. Yeah, well, we can we can review the fumble, but yeah, we saw the the illegal uh, uh, face mask, but um, we can't call that because that's not in the rules. So I don't know. <laughs> All right, now this one last thing about the NFL because I was really intrigued to real you know to see that the Rams were playing the Chiefs could be a Super Bowl matchup preview heading into the season. Yet the the Rams are just sort of MIA in the NFC West, and you're wondering why. I mean, what has gone on with that team? Well, they put all their eggs in one basket last year, and they, and and uh, it worked for them. You know, they uh, uh, made trades to get guys to to try to win the Super Bowl last year, and they did. They've had some injuries. They've had some defections. Um, retirements, and uh, they are—they're not going anywhere. They need everything to go their way, and they haven't. And right now, they, Cooper Cup is going to be gone for the rest of the year. One thing, when I was watching their game against New Orleans yesterday, uh, Matt Stafford missed last week's game because of, he was in concussion protocol. He was sacked on a quote-unquote conventional sack yesterday, and he had to come out because of concussion. I have a feeling that I'm not sure how much longer he'll be able to play quarterback in the NFL. I saw that with with Troy Aikman uh, many years ago before they had all these concussion rules and regulations 
and protocol in play, uh, that was pretty scary because he had he went down. It wasn't that he went down hard, and uh, he went into con- concussion protocol. So that's that's a scary thing. The Rams might be looking for a new quarterback. Uh, I don't know if the kids can Bradford can continue, uh, Stafford can continue to play. And you know he's really been hurt on and off, but he had, finally had that healthy season last year, and then we just hope. He's okay. All right, Lou, I want to switch sports because you're a hockey guy, and I think just like the Avalanche trip in, the Oilers trip in is a big test for all three teams, especially one that's, I don't know, on a 12-game win streak known as the Devils tonight. Yeah. The, they're uh, in uh, beautiful Newark, New Jersey, as we speak. And uh, obviously they have the – Outstanding player in the world in Connor McDavid. Um, and uh, the Devil's streak will come to an end one of these nights. Nobody nobody uh, wins 70 games in a row. But the Devils have been outstanding. They have tremendous team speed. They're getting good goaltending, which they haven't gotten in the past. Their young guys are maturing. Um, they have six good defensemen. And uh, do they have a chance to make it uh, 13? Tonight, yeah, I think they do. They are probably, believe it or not, deeper than Edmonton because after uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, yeah, you got Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you got Evander Kane, but Evander Kane suffered the uh, the wrist uh, injury last week where he got the skate blade injury, which was just gruesome to look at. So, uh, you know, they, they have uh, some issues, and... Connor, it can always be Connor McDavid carrying the team. But uh, as you said, they'll play, they're playing the Devils tonight, and they, they play the Islanders, I think, Wednesday night at UBS. A beautiful USB they, arena. Arena, yep. sorry. And uh, then on Saturday, I think Saturday afternoon, they, I think it's Saturday afternoon they play uh, the Rangers at the, at the Garden. So that, I know they play all three, te- three teams this week. So that's, that's always a... Uh, interesting situation when a, a team, especially from the West, comes in and the NHL schedules that way to save uh, on some uh, some flight miles for these for these teams. Uh, but all interesting right. week. Yes. All right, so speaking of flight miles, one other topic tonight because obviously we want to know if Aaron Judge is going to take flight from New York, but I watched a series last night. I've got to recommend it to you about the Swingin' A's, the 1970s dynastic athletics with Charlie O. Finley, I guess. I mean, look, this is way beyond my before my time. However, <laughs> I know you wanted to weigh in. And for those who didn't know, Reggie Jackson won five World Series in the 70s, not just with the Yankees, but with the A's. Weigh in on that for a second. Well, uh, Reggie Jackson was probably the best clutch player of the 70s and uh, even in, into the 80s. Uh, he, Charlie Finley was the owner of the, of the then Kansas City A's, and he drafted, uh, he drafted Reggie Jackson. And I'm going to give you a quick story. The New York Mets had the first pick. And remember, they were, they were a third-year expansion team. They had the first pick. Reggie Jackson was at Arizona State. Uh, uh, Mets had the first pick. A's had the second pick. The Kansas City A's had the second pick. The Mets passed on Reggie Jackson and picked a catcher by the name of Steve Chilcott, who, I, who might have played three major league games for the Mets. 
and the uh, A's picked uh, Reggie Jackson, and uh, Reggie Jackson made his way up quickly through the minor league system. Uh, I believe he came up in 68. In 69, he had 47 home runs, which in, in 1969, 47 home runs was like 57 home runs. Um, then in 70, uh, 70 the, A's, uh, the A's started to uh, get better. They won in 71. They won the West, I believe, in 71, but lost to the Orioles. And then in 72, 73, and 74, they uh, won uh, the Western Division. They won the ALCS. That's all it was in those days. It was just the ALCS and the World Series. It was three out of five in the ALCS. And in game five of the 72 ALCS, on a play at the plate, I believe on a double steal, Reggie slid across and he tore a hamstring, which kept him out of the 72 World Series against against the Reds. The Reds were heavily favored. Uh, the A's, even though Jackson wasn't there, the A's beat them in seven. Uh, the A's won game seven, three to two at, at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati. And I believe Pete Rose made the last out on the fly, a fly ball to Joe Rudy. I'm almost sure of that. Um, then in 73, they were heavily favored against the Mets, and the Mets actually went back to Oakland ahead 3-2, to two, but the A's won game 6 and 7, and Reggie hit a home run in game 7, and he won World Series MVP. And then in 74, uh, they, they beat the Dodgers in 5. Uh, they split the first two games in L.A., and then the three games in Oakland, the A's, the A's uh, won fairly convincingly. Terrific team. 75, they won the division again, but they lost to the Red Sox uh, in the ALCS. The Red Sox lost that famous World Series to the Cincinnati Reds in seven games. So it was a good run for them. And then in 76, they started trading the guys, and free agency started, and they lost Catfish Hunter and they to the Yankees. They lost Reggie, they lost Reggie to uh, uh, the Yankees. They actually traded him to the, to the Baltimore Orioles for the 76 season because they knew they weren't going to re-sign them. Joe Rudy signed, uh, I believe, with the Red Sox. Uh, they lost all their guys. Uh, it, wasn't, it, it, you know, it wasn't good. But that, was a, that A's team was a great team. Great defensive team, great pitching, great bullpen, obviously led by Raleigh Fingers. Um, and they, they, had, they had clutch hitters. They really did. And they won in spite of their owner, yet at the end of the documentary they say, well, if he didn't get all those guys together, who knows what they would have done. So you got to give him some credit, Charlie O. Well, Charlie O was a unique guy. He was a cheap guy. Uh, He tried to buy the Philadelphia Athletics back in 1954. Uh, That was their last year in Philadelphia before they moved to Kansas City. Then he got. Then he was able to buy, I believe, a minority share, around fifty-nine or sixty. He actually was going to move uh, the A's before they moved to Oakland. He was going to move them to Louisville in either sixty-four or sixty-five. But I forgot what happened there, and it never paid. It never panned out. Um, they moved to Oakland, and uh, the rest is really history. They had a successful run there um, with. 
those – oh, and they had – you know, look at the pitching staff they had. They had Vita Blue. They had Catfish Hunter. Uh, they, they, really, they really had some – they had Kenny Holtzman. Uh, they had some terrific teams. Um, and Dick Williams was their manager for uh, the most part, and Alvin Dark was also their manager. And then uh, Billy Martin was their manager for a, a year or two uh, uh, after he left the Yankees for I don't, I don't know what time, his first time, his second time before he went back. Uh, and he won a division in 80, uh, and they actually lost to the Yankees in 80 in the playoffs. Um but uh, Charlie O was a unique guy. He, he, he actually talk pushed about for, the, oh. his passionate love of baseball. You could just hear in his voice he loves the game. I mean, every every time we talk, Lou, I feel like he just loves the game. One one more thought on the seventies. You know what Pete Rose did, right? I recently well, I he, he just recently things, asked what... Manfred to be in the Hall of Fame. Did you see that letter by chance? Oh, I did see that, and Manfred said uh, no. Manfred said the indefinite suspension stays indefinite, uh, so he's not. Uh, I thought I actually thought by now they might they might let him in. Uh, I don't know. It's really, funny because Cincinnati will now allow gambling in their stadium. So go figure. Yeah, no, it it, it it's 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 true. It, it seems like a little bit of a hypocrisy, but uh, um. One last thing about Charlie Finley. He pushed for World Series games at night, which is a good thing, which was a good thing. Um, He actually pushed for the designated hitter. He actually had, in 1974, he actually, because he believed there should have been a designated runner also. He signed um, a track star, Herb Washington, that the A's used in 1974 uh, to pinch run. He never batted. Because the guy, the guy never batted in his life, but he they use him as a pinch runner, and uh, in the only game that the Dodgers won, Game Two of the 1974 World Series, Mike Marshall in relief, who was a Cy Young Award winner as a relief pitcher for the Dodgers in 1974, picked Herb Washington off in the ninth inning at first base. So that's that's just a little a little tidbit <laughs> for you, for people who may remember Herb Washington. Well, uh, on that note, next week we got to talk about the ballot because the new Hall of Fame ballot is out, so we got to review that. But one last thing, Kyrie was back last night. Are you satisfied with his public apologies? He did like one after the other, it seemed like. But, are you know, will the Nets have a chemistry? Simmons is now having issues again. I don't know. It seems like they never get their act together. Well, uh, actually, Simmons, the last two, not, uh, last two games has, has played, well, last night he has his last two games have been his best two games as a net. Last night he was excellent. Um, with Kyrie, I assume uh, you don't know with Kyrie because he is eccentric. Uh, you don't know what's going what's to happen. I assume he's going to be a little bit more aware of what's going on. Um, obviously the Nets need him. Any team would need one of the five or six best players in the NBA um, will I develop chemistry? I hope so. I mean, Durant has been a spectacular from day one, and Kyrie was really excellent and spectacular until uh, the suspension. Um, I think he, I think he is heartfelt in his apology, um, but uh, you don't know uh, what what the, what's going to happen down the road. I actually think uh, if. They're not going anywhere in February. 
I think they might uh, try to trade him at the trade deadline. I don't think they're going to get much from him because he'd be a rental. He'd be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, but I can tell you one thing. Jock Vaughn has made them a different team. He really has. He's made them a different team. They just seem to be more in tune of what's going on. They may not go anywhere uh, this year. They're not as good as they were two years ago. Um, but uh, it, w- it was good to see Simmons have a couple of good games in a row. And they might use Simmons off the bench, you know, and play him 25, 30 minutes. He is coming off major back surgery, even though he's only 25 years old. So, so we'll see. I mean, uh, the NBA is a very strange league <laughs> right now. <laughs> Well, Lou, I appreciate this as always. We got a lot more to talk about, but first things first, happy Thanksgiving, and uh, hope happy you enjoy with yours and your yeah. family this week. Mm-hmm. You too. You say hello to everybody in your family, and you know I love doing this. And uh, we will uh, uh, we will talk again next week. I mean, after a, a big college football weekend coming up, also we have we'll know we'll know more. It won't be finalized, but we'll know more about who's going to be the four teams in the. Uh, in a college football playoff, I guess whoever wins OSU, M, you know, UM might be the that playoff spot. So, yeah, that's that's where that's going to be the that's the tricky one because uh, Ohio State and Michigan, one of them is going to lose. I think Ohio State's going to win uh, on Sunday, on Saturday, excuse me. Um, and then, do they take two? Do they take if TCU loses? Do they take two SEC teams, and do they take Michigan and Ohio State? I don't know. I mean, what TCU did on Saturday, and I was I was watching that game live. How they did the fire drill field goal uh, attempt. I did not think they were going to get it, get it off, and they ran it to perfection. Uh, no, none of the kids panicked. The snapper gave the holder a perfect uh, snap, and the kid uh, kicked it through, and uh, they were able to uh, uh, win the game and uh, move forward. Now, this week, TCU plays Iowa State. Then they probably play Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. That's going to be tough. We'll see. All right, Lou. Well, and always don't a pleasure. USC, and you USC, know what I'm thinking for our first couple of minutes of next the, week's segment. We should interview a Bills Mafia member that was there from with with the Bills documenting their journey in Detroit. Maybe I'll look and see if we can get someone, because that's an interesting story would, in and of itself. That would be great. Yeah, I heard for some of those people, they had to go through Canada. They had to go through Windsor, Ontario, and then go through the tunnel. And I've actually been in Detroit, and I've gone through that tunnel to Windsor. But it was so long ago, I forget the name of the tunnel. But I know a lot of fans had to do that to get to uh, the game. But and Detroit is uh, uh, going to be home uh, for the Bills this week as, as they'll be playing on uh, Thanksgiving Day uh, in twelve o'clock. Yes, no, that's game, a story so. in the making. So we'll, we'll we'll cover that for you guys on the next Terminello Take. Lou, love you, man, and thanks for doing this as always. And I cannot believe how fast November's going already. <laughs> time does fly that's for sure. No truer cliche than time flies. All right, sir. Enjoy this upcoming week of sports, and we'll have another Terminal Take next week. Thank you, Alex. You're the best. That was another Garrett Sports Spotlight on Lou Terminello. And, Lou, happy Thanksgiving once again. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your dad and your mom and everybody. I appreciate it. Have a great night, everybody.